One Week Season. everyone welcome to the slate podcast this week with the man the myth the legend uh mr mark garcia also better known as hilo um we're gonna break down five games this week for you guys uh we're gonna try to keep it in a condensed version if we can for you um and it's we got some we were just talking before we started the podcast here uh we're gonna start with the what we think are the two most interesting games of the five mark wrote up and uh we're both similarly on the same page so i'm kind of excited to see where we can go with this here so we're going to lead right in with uh minnesota and miami so let's let's talk about uh the minnesota side first right uh one of the things i think everybody's excited about uh especially me from season long is you know mr kevin uh has delivered on his pass rate over expectation right um they're, they're definitely passing way more uh, really sad for the Dalvin Cook truthers out there. He's uh, he's been rough to have on a weekly basis, um, and now it's they're just you know they're going to the same running back by committee as everybody else's. And I get it in the NFL, right? If I was a head coach, if I was a GM, I want two, three really good running backs. It's it's better for the team. Terrible for DFS and fantasy, but better for the team. So so walk me through that Minnesota side for you. Yeah. So what we're hoping coming into the season is we kind of figured that the, that O'Connell was going to lean more pass heavy and it was hard to be extremely more pass heavy than they already were last year because they were already chucking the ball around. Right. Um, they're like 63, 64% pass rate. Um, but this year, what we kind of thought coming into the season is Dalvin might see a reduced rushing workload. We were hoping that the, the pass game involvement would offset or help to offset the decrease in rushing, you know, between the tackles reliance uh, from Dalvin. We were thinking that that might be a boost to his health. He might stay healthier for longer, uh, not having to lug the ball between the tackles and get, you know, subject to that repeated beating. But what we're seeing is his rush game involvement has decreased, but his pass game involvement has not uh, increased to offset that. So basically, yeah, Dalvin is this like one, a running back now where it's like, he's playing 60, 65% of the offensive snaps. He's seeing the same, uh, like per snap, um, touches that he was last season. So he's, he's seeing a comparable, uh, like when he's on the field, he's seeing the ball at a comparable rate to last year, but he's on the field less and his pass game involvement has not, uh, increased to offset that. So yeah, Dalvin is like a almost like strictly off the board player for me right now. Um, I, you can't trust uh, when from a macro perspective, like I've talked about this a couple times this year, like how are running backs in today's NFL game going to provide like slate out of reach type GPP style scoring? Right. And Dalvin is now in the bucket of he has to hit 100 yards rushing and score multiple touchdowns. If he's not doing that, He's not worth a damn to us. And now his price is still at the point because of name value where that is even more relevant because he like 
without the requisite workload to hit 100 yards rushing. And he'll probably do that, you know, once or twice this season, maybe um, hit 100 yards rushing and have multiple touchdowns. You know, he scored twice last week. Um, they both came on one yard plunges. Right. Um, so like he has the role. He's still the goal line back from a percentage solution. He has the role to score multiple touchdowns, but it's increasingly more unlikely that he's going to hit the 100 yard bonus. And even like we saw last week, he hit, he scored multiple times, but he still was not GPP viable because he was not putting up um, bulk scoring needed at a 60% snap rate, which comes through hitting that DK bonus. Um, and it's just, you know, he, with the two to four targets weekly, uh, that's like, it's the same as like Ramondre Stevenson this week uh, it, the, from a workload perspective. And Ramondre Stevenson probably has a much higher ceiling uh, from a workload perspective. So that's kind of my spiel on that. It, it goes back into like the, the, the macro state of the NFL, where the game of the NFL is at and how these teams are adjusting um, to a new changing dynamic game. You know, the game is more pass heavy. The teams are noticing that running backs, you, you feed them 25 between the tackles carries, they're going to get hurt. That's just yeah. what happens. It's, it's just the, the, the nature of the beast at this point. So, so yeah, with Madison being more involved from a snap rate perspective. And when you look at like, when you compare Dalvin cooks um, touches per snap rate to Alexander Madison's Dalvin's is much higher. So when he's on the field, he's right. seeing the ball at a higher rate, but that's still like being on the field less is carrying over into lower box scores, lower opportunity rates. And the passing game is not offsetting that. So yeah, he's kind of like a, like a stay away for me uh, right now. And that's probably a, a somewhat of a hot take. Uh, I I'm on the same boat. Um, I beginning of this year, even, you know, if we go back to even best ball, I'm really low on, on cook this year. And I just said, listen, at the end of the day, right. We gotta, we gotta make stands. Um, you know, one of the smartest people I know and, uh, have the privilege of talking to a lot, uh, through his coaching is, uh, Nelson Sousa at, you know, FTN. And he, he talks about it. Like I'm in high stakes. You got to make stands. Right. And in DFS, you gotta, you gotta make stands, right. You gotta be able to say, Hey, this is, you know, what we're going to do. Um, so one of the things you brought up that I knew when I started looking at this game early in the week that would be really interesting to me is how Cousins struggles against pressure, right? Like oh, yeah. it's historic. And uh, Mr. Mike, who I'm, I'm such a fan of Mike McDaniel. Uh, I think he is, you know, he's going to have uh, right now, if we're voting coach of the year, it's probably him. Mm -hmm. Um Right. If it gets if it gets voted today, um, you know, and as we know, he's bringing the blitz. Right. The Dolphins oh, yeah. are going to blitz on him. Um, I've actually, uh, you know, taken some advantage of some quarterback rushing props against Miami because of this, mm -hmm. because, right, they're going to have to scramble. Um, how do you think Kurt does right uh, against that this week? Yeah, so there's there's actually a lot of moving pieces with that. Um, Miami are blitzing at an increased rate, but when you look at their pressure rate, they're generating pressure at the third lowest rate in the league. So if they're blitzing and exposing their back end to man coverages, but they're not getting home with the pressure, there's an opportunity for all world like man beaters like Justin Jefferson to just go absolutely ham this week. So Jefferson and I haven't looked at uh, ownership enough yet because it's it's uh my process is like i look at ownership on friday evening because i want to uh how i get through the week is i i go game by game at the beginning of the week i want to get all of my thoughts 
on that. And then I start expanding to the more macro stuff from there. And that includes ownership. So I don't bring that into the fold until Friday evening. So I don't know where Jefferson's ownership is ultimately going to end up. But from what I'm seeing right now, Justin Jefferson is like the the 1B from a, a macro perspective on the slate, just second to Cooper Cup. Like he is that, uh, the upside is that great this week. If Miami's going to be blitzing at in, at uh, above average rates, but not hitting home, like they're they're like you want to see you want to see from an NFL defense, you want to see uh, like from a like from that defense's perspective, you want to see a defense that is generating pressure at a greater rate than their blitz rate. And the Miami Dolphins this year are the exact opposite of that. Like their blitz rate is is like twenty seven percent. They're generating only like 13% pressure rate, which is half of their blitz rate. That is bad. That is not good. Um, so if they are if they are sending pressure at Kirk and they are not getting home, there's opportunity. That means their, their back end is in man coverage because they're sending right. additional pressure. And that means that Justin Jefferson Absolutely. is in man coverage uh, and, <laughs> and Kirk Cousins is not getting pressured. So... Jefferson is like my my one B wide receiver this week from a macro perspective, uh, and yeah, you're showing me right now he's down at what like nine percent ownership, nine nine point two to start the week. So I yeah. mean that's you know that's a uh, that's a big right like that's a big ownership you know lower on yeah. there, and that is price tag right. You got to be all in on him if if you think he's going to hit right because you know we're looking for four or five x so he's he's got to you know. He's got to go, you know, nine to 12, you know, 180 and, you know, two TDs to get us there. Right. Yeah. From a, from a macro perspective, I don't pay attention to salary multipliers at the extremes in pricing. So I don't pay attention to it um, at the upper echelon. So we'll say uh, 7k and above. And then I don't pay attention to it at the lower echelon. We'll say like 4k and below because salary multiplier means less to us there because on the upper echelon, those are the players that can just put the slate out of reach. Like if, right. if you, if Justin Jefferson scores 36 fan or, okay, we'll say 30, 34 fantasy points at his current price tag, he didn't, he failed to hit the four X multiplier from like strictly speaking, but that could still be the highest score on the slate. And that could be very, very valuable. Um, yeah. Conversely speaking, like on the lower end, three, four X from a four K player, that's 16 fantasy points. Like that doesn't necessarily carry the same weight as like a 6k uh player putting up 4x um so typically i'm looking for a little more than 4x down in the lower echelon uh same boat there so let's talk about the forgotten man in the minnesota Minnesota offense mr adam thielen yes so thielen i'm i went (laughs) i actually just got off of another podcast the badge bros and i wrote this up uh somewhere else in writing this week uh, I think it was in my DFS interpretations uh, of this game that I just turned in. Right. I'm going to go on record right now and say that Adam Thielen will will wreck a slate at some point in this season. His snap rate is too high. His routes participation rate is too high. His red zone target rate is 23.5%. So like all these things are coming together that the field kind of just thinks that this guy is dust. Like people are thinking of Adam Thielen the same way that they're thinking of AJ Green in Arizona. It's like, they are not, they are not there yet. What a great comparison. Yeah. So like, that's how the field is like viewing this guy. They're like, he's dust. He's on the field a lot because he has to be 
Well, that's right. not true, man. Like Thielen is a guy that is still being utilized in the red zone. He's still running rates at a heightened rate. Um, and going back to like AJ Green, I liken AJ Green to like if there was foosball for football where like he's attached to a stick and he didn't have to run like AJ green would be elite because his body control is still elite. Think of like um, the way that the Cardinals uh, changed um, Larry Fitzgerald's role as he aged and he was no longer able to uh, separate, but he still had that elite body control and that elite positioning. That's where AJ green is at, but the Cardinals are using him in his like normal X style role. It's like, this guy is not, able to like do the same things anymore um anyway i digress back to like what was pertinent like adam thielen yeah he's going to wreck a slate at some point and with a lower like modest a dot role like what does that look like that looks like eight to ten receptions 100 yards and two touchdowns right but at his price he's priced so far down that like that is going to wreck a slate at some point in the year it could happen multiple times he's going to put up 100 yards and and multiple touchdowns at some point this year. And so I'm going to keep playing him. And he goes comfortably into like our mantra, which is like always one Viking because this offense is so concentrated and there's so much upside, particularly this week where it's like, I don't need to include cousins, but I always, I want one of Jefferson or Thielen. And now like, I'm just removing Dalvin cook from that always one Viking rule. So it's just like Jefferson or Thielen. I want pretty much on every roster uh, just because of their upside that they bring. Yeah, it's um, it, everybody that doesn't know that's uh, learning more about one week. We uh, we have a rule <laughs> and the rule is always yeah. one Viking uh, because as you know, Hilo just talked about, it's it's so concentrated and it's so funneled it's there to break the slate at any time. And, and I'm in the same boat on Thielen. Um, he's going to do it because he's shown us he can do it. And Cousins has shown over the years that when he's open, he's going to target, right? Mm-hmm. Like, so they're going to scheme it, you know, one, two, three of these games this year. And he's going to make somebody a lot of money. And I, I would like it to be me. Yeah. So, <laughs> so let's get over to the other uh, side of the ball. Uh, first, can we um, take a moment and say a prayer for the dead deceased Chase Edmonds? Um, yeah. Rest in peace. Yeah. Pulling out. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, <laughs> I'm amazing how, you know, that's changed and, Everybody knew, like, hey, Raheem, you know, is going to fit right in McDaniel's offense. We know his style is there, and he still has the gas. It's, you know, the problem is he's been made of glass, Mm -hmm. right, which brings up even this week, right? Like, he showed up on the injury report, which nobody's going to act shocked about. Um, But where are you at with Raheem this week? Absolutely love. So going back to the discussion of, like, how we should – or what – type of running back we should be targeting in today's NFL game. We want either a heavy pass involvement, which is going to offset the number of touchdowns that they have to score to achieve a GPP worthy score. Or we want a guy who can put up a hundred yards rushing in two touchdowns. Raheem dude, this is a guy who could rip an 80 yarder from anywhere on the field. So yes, he has hundred plus and two touchdown plus upside, particularly in this matchup with the Vikings where it's like, they can be beaten anywhere on the field at any point. And now we look at a Miami offense where like, I don't care who their quarterback is. It could be, um, 
it could be, I, I, I won't, <laughs> I don't want to throw any names anyway. Uh, it could be <laughs> the worst quarterbacks in the league. Um, and what, what we're seeing is this game total and the, I think the DFS um, interest in this game is going to be muted because a seventh round rookie quarterback named Skylar Thompson is starting for Miami. I went in to say in Miami is probably the least or the team that is least reliant on whoever is calling the place or right. sorry, whoever is the signal caller, whoever is the quarterback. They're probably right. the team that is least reliant on that because why, what do they have? They have Tyreek Hill, they have Jalen Waddle and they have Raheem Mostert who are all either excellent <laughs> route technicians. Um, and then for the case of both Jalen Waddle and Tyreek, Unreal speed. And then you look at Mostert, who is unreal speed and can break anything through an outside zone run scheme from anywhere on the field. So like, if that's the case, now I'm looking to ownership and it's like, these guys are probably going to be fairly low owned this weekend. I want Tyreek Hill at sub 5% ownership, which I think he's going to be at. I want Jalen Waddle at probably what sub 3% ownership. I want Raheem Mostert, who is unreal leverage off of a guy named Ramon J. Stevenson, who's going to be like, 30, 40. I don't know how much he's going to be owned, but probably extremely owned uh, this week. Um, So that's a guy. Yeah. Mostera is huge upside piece for me. I am probably, and I think I I wrote this up in the DFS plus interpretation of this game, which I just turned in not too long ago. So it's not up yet, but by the time this is uh, we've mashed this up and, and it's live. Go check out the DFS plus interpretation. Check out the end around uh, for my inner circle guys, uh, because I'm probably gonna have some nuggets in there. I'll go on record again saying I played Zach Wilson stacks last weekend. Those lineups cashed. If he did what I thought he could do from an upside perspective. Um, And again, they struggled in the red zone in that game um, outside of the pass interference and the being tackled at one yard lines. And then the (laughs) the Michael Carter one touchdown pledges. Oh, yeah, so yeah, that was close. so I, gross. Uh, I, yeah, I had that. I had some of those last week too. Yeah, so I ran Zach Wilson with um, with Brees Hall with yeah. one of the pass catchers, uh, and those all cashed. But the upside was there. And when I'm hunting for like lower uh, priced quarterbacks, I've said this on the Inner Circle podcast. We're not hunting for guys that can put the slate out of reach. Those guys are the priced up guys. Those are the Josh Allens, the Lamar Jacksons, the the Jalen Hurts. Those guys can put up 35 to 45 fantasy points, and you have to have that. When we get down to the lower echelon of quarterback pricing, we want guys that can put up 28 to 30 fantasy points and then have what you're saying is the top upper echelon of pricing guys are not putting the slate out of reach. Right. So it's a two-step process. You have to have the guys not putting the slate out of reach, and then you have to have a piece that is lower priced that can match uh, like or get close to those upper echelon guys. So if Josh Allen is putting up 32 points this week, but we have like Skylar Thompson who puts up 28 fantasy points, that is leverage. That is an edge. And that is something that I'm interested in is the Skylar Thompson, Tyree kill Jalen Waddle stacks this week. He, he looked really good at preseason too. Like go back and watch the preseason games with him. Um, I really liked how he looked. Um, I I think he played well again, right? He's playing against second and third stringers, but we know Mike's going to have him prepared, right? We know he's going to, you know, that's another thing, right? And he's going to scheme, right? What's he going to do? He's going to scheme short routes to Mm -hmm. Tyreek and Jalen, and then they're just going to put it in sixth gear and gone. And, you know, they both at any time, like you just talked about, 
all three of those playmakers can rip a 60 to 80 yarder off catching the ball at the line of scrimmage. Like, yeah. and, and like you said, the leverage is going to be there, right? The over unders at 45 and a half. This is probably going to be like a forgot about type game, right? Yeah. Like, you know, uh, and if we can get some leverage on the field, that's there. And uh, I'll go ahead and explain too. So one of the things is we go through here, right? So we'll kind of, I'll kind of give them a quick preview here. So in the write-ups, when you're an inner circle member, you, you know, you get access to not just some of the game overview, uh, but you get access, you know, to all kinds of stats and the matchups. Uh, but as we scroll down here, there's going to be a DFS interpretation and uh, I'm not going to show it all because uh, we're not going to give out the secret sauce here today. But uh, it's really easy to get to. And on this one, you know, Mark and JM both have some things in there that are going to give us leverage on the field. Um, you know, just like last week, same thing. I cashed all those Jets lineups. Mm-hmm. And then the other two games I personally was on, right, was Buffalo. And I was on the Cleveland, you know, Chargers game. And I missed it by that much, right? Yeah. I had it all. I just didn't combo it, right? Right, and Thanks. that comes down to, right? I but I'm a single entry three max guy. So, yeah, that, that last week made it to me, actually got to the point like if I would have entered some twenty maxes, I probably I probably would have come up with the right you know ownership off of what my pool was. So yeah. I was uh, I was there, but it was uh, you know it was definitely interesting to stay there. So uh, cool. So let's let go me, on. Let me talk real quick. I think to close the loop there on that okay. game. Um, when you look at the Vikings defense, they are really not capable in any one area. Right. So how are they counteracting that, or how are they trying to base their defense to to hide or mask um, the? like shortcomings of the talent that they have, they're playing a crap ton of zone and they're just like trying to keep everything in front of them. And they're like, we're just going to play off coverage and we're going to just make sure that we are, we don't get beat by um, bulk plays all at once. Well, so what does that mean? That's going to align very, very naturally with how the dolphins are likely to view this game plan with a seventh round rookie quarterback coming in. So they're like, if they continue to play off Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle, Skyler's just going to sit back there and pick that apart. And now it's in Tyreek Hill's hands. And now you're like, how would a, would a bulk play come? How would bulk yardage add up against a defense that is playing prevent? Well, a defense that is playing prevent, they have communication that is the, the, the backbone of that defense. And if there's a communication breakdown against Tyreek Hill, good luck, like game over, like it's done. So that's what we're talking about where there's, there's the hidden upside there that the field is likely not going to be overly excited to attack. Yeah, that's uh, especially with right. Um, I, I'm in the same boat you are. I don't look at ownership projections at all. I actually don't even look at it until Saturday. Uh, I want to stay away from that. I don't want it to influence my thought process. Right as we're going through this, but the one you know, I'm it's killing me to not look at the Buffalo Kansas City projections. Right, um, I just think there's going to be right like that was the game of the year. And for a lot of people, arguably one of the most fun games you've ever watched. Um, That game was actually, people forgot about it. They haven't talked about it. I was actually at uh, the San Francisco New Orleans Saints game uh, back in uh, 2013 when Alex Smith was a QB. And they did the same thing. There was four scores in the last four minutes and 40 seconds of that game. 
Mm-hmm. I was physically at that game. It was insane, right? And uh, that was, uh, you know, that was one of those that reminded me the same way. So, uh, well, let's get moving on to a game I am, I feel a little dirty about being excited about because the side I'm excited about, but I'm excited for the Ravens and the Giants. Um, and I'm all over the Giants here personally. Um, I think the Giants, um, I think Dabble is going to have some stuff in there. You're starting to see every week his influence on Daniel Jones, right? Each week, Jones has looked a little bit better, a little more comfortable. Um, I think there is some huge upside now. What is the challenge bid, right? Nobody, their, their best wide receivers can't get healthy. Uh, <laughs> that's been a that's been a huge problem. Uh, but Saquon is back. Um, I'm I'm excited. I I'm shocked at how low the over under was on this. I thought the Giants would be more in that twenty, you know, twenty two, twenty three range because of how bad their run D's been, and it's Saquon. Sa- Saquon is Saquon again. Mm-hmm. So. Um, what do you think about that? How, how are you looking at this game? What's your, uh, what side do you want to start with? There's two key points that are in this game that I don't think a lot of other places are going to be talking about. The first is that the defensive coordinator for the Giants is a guy by the name of Wink Martindale, who was the yep. defensive coordinator of the Ravens for the past, like, thir- 12, 11 Brazilian years. years. Yeah, I don't remember so- how long. He was there forever. He was tenured, basically. He was there for, I think, 11 or 12 years. Um, So he also has four years of being on the same coaching staff of Lamar Jackson. Right. So what does that mean? Also, like when you look back at like Ravens uh, defenses in the past, extremely blitz heavy, and they throw all kinds of unique blitz packages. They bring strong side safety. They bring weak side safety. They bring uh, weak side linebackers. They bring basically all these unique blitz packages. Well, then like... How is that going to play out against Lamar Jackson, who is like the blitz beater? We don't know, but like there's upside there. Also, (coughs) excuse me. Also with Wink Martindale, (coughs) knowing Lamar Jackson, we have to like kind of think like, how is he going to like scheme his defense to beat this? Is he going to have strong side linebacker uh, like shadow like or box right. mentality and Lamar Jackson to keep him in uh, the pocket? Probably. How is that going to marry up with like increased unique blitz packages? That's going to put their back end in man coverage a whole hell of a lot. Right. So if that is the case, and if Lamar Jackson's rushing upside is muted a little bit this week because he's going against a defensive coordinator right. that is highly, highly, uh, familiar with him, like there is upside for days from their pass catchers against man coverage. Who do they right. have? They have Mark Andrews. Rashad Bateman is, have missed the first two days of practice and is likely going to be out after missing week five. What else? So do they it have? gets us to it gets us to your boy Devin Duvernay. Knows, if, yes, if anybody <laughs> knows Pilo, they know that is his yes. boy. <laughs> this is a dude who made the Pro Bowl. In his second year in the league as a kick returner, right, and now gets the opportunity to be a like one of the key cogs of their passing offense, right. And he has shown it. Dude, the dude has scored four touchdowns through five weeks. Yep. One of them coming on a kickoff return to open up the game against Miami. Like this right. is a guy who can break anything from anywhere. 
And now he's going to see increased rates of man coverage as the secondary option of the coverage scheme where they're probably going to be rolling additional looks to Mark Andrews. Oh my God. I want Devin DuVernay like everywhere this week. Um, and this is, this is a guy I'm super excited about. He's priced at a, a comfortable range. I think he's like 4.5 or 4.6, yeah. somewhere in there. Yeah, it was like um, 4,500 bucks when I looked, I think. Yeah. So this is a guy that I want all the exposure to. He's going to see secondary coverage in primarily man coverage. And Lamar Jackson, we know, is a guy who like excels against the blitz. And, oh, by the way, Devin DuVernay can win in the first five yards. This is a dude who can take, like, Jamar Chase from last year. He could take a five-yard slant within the first five yards of the line of scrimmage and then just absolutely take it to the house for, for 80 yards. That's Devin Duvernay, and that's right. what I want this week. Uh, yeah, so I'm super excited about Devin Duvernay. Um, on the other side, it's basically just Saquon Barkley, who yeah. this is the other piece of this game that I think uh, the field is not likely to latch onto, and that's the Ravens' run defense. The Ravens' run defense is like built around their nose tackle. Yep. Who did they have in the past? They had a guy by the name of Brandon Williams, who is like the top run stopper over the last decade. <laughs> like the yeah. dude is I mean, it was his wall. Yeah. So they lost him this offseason. They just didn't bring him back. His contract right. expired. They didn't bring him back because they had a guy by the name of Michael Pierce, who mm-hmm. is like PFF grades on par with Brandon Williams. He is that freaking good. And now he is out for the season. So how are the Ravens adjusting to that? They're really not. They're still saying our defense is our run defense is built around the nose tackle. And then we bring in, you know, the, the linebackers in the second level from there. But if they do not have that like physical presence, that wall up front for their run defense to be built off of now we start like, okay, now they have to take on Saquon Barkley. It's like, okay, I have interest in that. Right. The other piece of the Giants that uh, you alluded to earlier is Wandale Robinson. Wandale is coming back. Um, he The only snaps he's played all season was in week one. He's a rookie, but he's really like the piece to this offense. It's like Kadarius Toney and, and Wandale Robinson. Kadarius Toney is out. He's going to miss again. So all they have in the pass game without Sterling Shepard is Wandale Robinson. They have guys like David Sills playing heavy snaps. They have guys like Richie James. Like, who are these guys, right? Um, and David Sills is a rookie. He saw his snap rate decrease last week because he's just not doing anything with his snaps. So they're like, why are we continuing to play this guy? Richie James is like a journeyman veteran who has been around the league. He's, he's He went from like San Francisco. He's been kind of everywhere, right? Yeah. And now they're playing him heavy snaps. Kenny Galladay is like checked out. He's like, man, give me my yeah. money. I'll collect my check. He's hurt or checked out. Yeah, so like, who they, yeah. So who do they have? And then their, their tight end stable is like headed by a rookie tight end. It's like, they have nobody. It's like right. Saquon Barkley and Wandale Robinson. That is it. And when we look at the other side of this matchup, it's like Mark Andrews and Devin Duvernay. That's it. Like mix, mix and match those four names. And you'll probably like have a good core to start off with this week. Yeah, it's uh, it's an interesting side, um, and I think because of right the perceived history of Baltimore's run D, like you talked about, yeah, um, and they are not as good this year, right? I mean, it's mm-hmm. it's up there, right? They're twenty six in DVOA, right? Like, I'm I'm interested to see it how heavy I go Saquon if they are 
if he comes in real, like the lower he is, I'm, I'm probably going to amp it up a little bit just for some leverage on the field. Right. Yeah. Um, right. And take some of that leverage off and, and go from there. But I'm excited about this. I, I would have been really excited if Bateman was healthy too. Um, right. If they had Bateman, Duvernay and, you know, Mr. Mark, I, I think this could have been a, a much bigger week for the Ravens. But like you talked about, I, I think they're going to, they're going to say, Hey, Duvernay, you got to beat us. Right. They're going to, you know, they're going to scheme over, you know, Andrews and take away, you know, Lamar's safety blanket and let's see, uh, you know, which way they go. Uh, I'm also interested to see if some people go the other direction and they run naked Lamar this week. Right. Yeah. So let's build some core around some other places. The, my thoughts should be well known by now about running rushing quarterbacks naked. Uh, If you're new here, if you don't know what I'm talking about, we have to view these mobile quarterbacks. It's like Josh Allen, it's um, Lamar Jackson, it's Jalen Hurts. Those are like the 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 pen or the the ultimate tier, right? Right. If you view those guys through the lens of their rushing ability, gives them an inflated floor, and their ceiling is still unlocked through the pass game. From a DFS perspective, what does that look like? You look at like Jalen Hurts' game logs. Even in games where he's scoring like one or two touchdowns on the ground, he's not putting the slate out of reach unless he has the passing to go with it. So they have to still have both of those pieces to put the slate out of reach. Right. So for a guy, for if you're running them naked, you are basically saying simultaneously, I think they are going to score a ton of points on the ground, but they're not going to put the slate out of reach because they're not right. bringing a passing guy or a, a passing piece with that. That is like completely bass backwards. That is, that is like not optimal at all. Like if they're putting the slate, you're playing these guys saying that they are going to put the slate out of reach. Right. If they're going to put the slate out of reach, they need both the rushing and the passing. And by right. playing him naked, you're saying that they're not going to have the passing. So get, I think we need to, we need to detach how we're viewing these mobile quarterbacks and look at the numbers. And the numbers are saying they are putting the slate out of reach by excelling in both the run game and the pass game. Yep. And it, what I like is, is the pivot off of that, right? Like I was saying, I think people are going to do it. Uh, and then that gives us some leverage to go back the other way. So, yeah. All right. Well, let's, let's go talk about an ugly game. That, uh, right. That, not everyone expected their roles to be what they are here. Uh, Right. And and kind of be in this position, you know, everybody thought Ryan would be doing much better. Um, You know, highlights, right. JT missed practice again this week. I don't know how the NFL allows Hines to play this week after everything that's happened concussion wise. Right. Like again, I'm, if I'm, if I'm a doctor, a team owner, I'm really leaning the other way. Um, but ultimately, right. Uh, how, you know, how they're playing and how they're approaching this game. Um, you know, the, the point total so low, do you see any spot that you might be able to leverage out of here? All right. One sec. Um, I just got a text that I took care of. Um, yes. I think the leverage spot is JT or nothing. Right. Um, JT obviously um, is a guy who this offense is built around. And right. 
the the field is likely to continue to like trying to view Michael Pittman as this alpha. We look at the numbers, like his team target market share is like 25 and a half, 26%. That is not alpha. That is not elite. Like elite is like 28 to 32%. So he is like this sub alpha wide receiver. He is not earning targets. His target per route rate is not elite. So like, look at Tyreek Hill's like target per routes rate uh, numbers, and then compare that to Michael Pittman. It's like night and day. So if he is viewed by the field as being elite, but his he's not commanding targets. Remember, like we we have to like view targets as being earned. Like right. you're not going to just step on the field and get targets because you still have to like perform and beat man and and all this stuff. So if targets are not being earned. And the, the field is still viewing him as this alpha elite guy. Like the leverage is just not to play him. Like you just stay away. Like I love Michael Pittman. I have oodles of Michael Pittman in best ball, but he's not performing. He's being, uh, overhyped based off of his per, uh, or relative to his performance. We'll say it like that. So from the Colts, like people are starting trying to still make Paris, uh, a thing. Um, Paris, I almost said Paris Hilton, but like Paris Campbell is Paris Hilton could do as good a job. as Right. Yeah. So his targets per route rate run is like in the teens. Yeah. Absolutely atrocious. Um, Now we have uh, the rookie Alec uh, Pierce. Um, He is actually like earning his targets. He is. He's just only playing 50 to 60% of the snaps. So he, it's highly unlikely that he can return a GPP worthy score at that level involvement. If Pierce should somehow supplant uh, Paris in the starting lineup and start seeing like an increased uh, increased role in this offense, that's when I want Alec Pierce. But as of, as things stand right now, like it's really, really, really tough to put up a GPP worthy score at fifty to sixty percent route participation, and that's yeah, kind of where that, he's at. That's been the challenge, and and the Jags D has been so good this year. Um, yeah you know, from a fantasy, especially from a fantasy perspective, right? Um, I imagine, you know, against this lowly Colts O, they're going to come in really highly owned. Now, I'm really interested to see the the projections there, but uh, this game is ridiculously ugly, and that's all I would like to talk about this ugly game. Yeah. So, <laughs> so let's go to my boys. We're going to go over to the 49ers, and um, I'm excited about their point total this week. This is a really interesting matchup for me. Um, you know, it's a, you know, we're in the same boat again. You know, we're bottom five in pass attempts per game. You know, both teams average under 60, right? Offensive plays per game, right? Yeah. Um, I don't get excited, but at the same time, um, you know, if we start looking at like almost no ownership and a 24, almost 25% point total outlook, you know, where do I start to try to find some leverage in this game? The leverage is the per touch efficiency guys. So that is 100% solely George Kittle, Debo Samuel, and Brandon Ayuk. That is the only interest I have in this game. Because we have to look at the macro first. And the, again, like I, I talked about my process, the macro of this game is the 49ers have five primary pieces of their defense that are injured. 
Yep. Where are those? It's three defensive linemen and it's two members of their secondary. So when you have that level of, of injuries in your defense, what does that mean? Or how does that translate to how this game is likeliest to play out? It's likeliest to give the Falcons a better opportunity to run their, their game plan for longer into the game. Right. That doesn't just necessarily mean that like, oh, the pass rush is going to be muted for the 49ers and their secondary is banged up. Oh, the Falcons like receiving pieces are just going to come out and light the world on fire. Well, no, because that's only one piece of the puzzle, the matchup. The other piece is like the Falcons. How are they running their offense? They're running their offense, like trying to limp into the fourth quarter and then try and win games. That's yeah. why they, that's why they've lost most of their games by like under three points or right. under one score. So Yes, like one of the pieces to the puzzle is a boost to the Falcons, and that's the injuries to the 49ers defense. But that is likelier just to keep them into the game and allow to run their game plan for deeper into the game, uh, as opposed to just the Falcons are just going to come out and attack the shortcomings of the secondary with no pass rush of the yeah. 49ers. So and, what does that look and, like? Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. It's, no, it's interesting, right? Because it's, when we when you started the season, no one said, "Hey, the Falcons' run offense is going to be like the strength of their team." Yeah. And right, like we we nobody like planned on this, but you're running against again, even with the injuries, one of the be, you know the best run defense in the league. So yeah. um, you know, while this is 44, is anybody going to be shocked if this is a 14-10 game? No. Um, Right. And on the opposite side, though, I, I want to talk about it. And he's in the same boat as Thielen as me. George Kittle is going to break a slate or two yes. this season. Right. Um, and his price keeps dropping um, and not massively, but, you know, we're 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 going to get some value there. Right. How many how many tight ends in the league have Kittle's upside? There, There's only a couple. Three. Yep. <laughs> and uh, it's there. So uh, where I wanted to go with this was, can we talk about, like, it makes me sad, the gross misuse of Kyle Pitts. And no, I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> the fact he still doesn't have a touchdown on American soil. Yeah. We're almost a year and a half into this. I just can't wrap my head around that. Like it, it makes me sad. Yeah. The, we can be, I'll put it this way. We can be excited about, we can have all the excitement in the world about the skill level of Kyle Pitts and, um, Oh God, help me out. The wide receiver. <laughs> oh, Drake London. Uh, Drake London. Thank you. Uh, right. yeah, my, I get so much shit going on in my brain. Sometimes I lose it. Um, yeah. we can be all, we can have all the excitement in the world about Drake London and Kyle Pitts. Right. But we have to understand that their skill level only goes or only shines as bright as their offensive scheme will allow. I'll put it that right. way. Yep. So if this team, you know, look at the pass attempts per game for Atlanta. They are. <laughs> yeah. So I want I'm going to pull it up. So let's see. Pass <laughs> attempts per game. I want to get it exactly. They are 31st in the league in pass attempts per game at 24.6. Right. That is ahead of only Chicago at 19.2, which is a story in and of itself. We're not going to talk about the Bears. We won't talk about that. But that is that is below Tennessee Titans at 26. Right. That is below San Francisco at 27.6. So, like, these teams are – or the, the Falcons in particular 
are they have a better defense than people initially thought. And that is almost primarily due to Dean Peace, who's their defensive coordinator. He came over from uh, the Saints two years ago. Um, and we talk about like, oh, look what he did with the Saints defense. Yeah. Well, now he's doing that with the Falcons. We talked about that coming into last year. Like, hey, Dean Peace is like a legitimate defensive coach. They did right. not have the personnel to implement like what he wanted they to do. Not. They still don't necessarily have all the pieces on defense, but they are vastly improved from last year. So this is still a very, very sharp defensive line. And how are they, uh, how is Arthur Smith trying to incorporate that? He's making it their emphasis. He's saying like, we're going to allow our defense to keep us in games and we're just going to have our offense not lose us the game. Right. And they're taking that game plan into the fourth quarter and they're seeing what happens. It's, for the most part, worked out to plan. Like they've been in games in the fourth quarter. They haven't won as many as they like, but they're losing games by like under one score. And so now like with that offensive game plan, like I want no part of Kyle Pitts. I want no part of Drake London. I played Drake London against Tampa Bay and it like, (laughs) like those Tampa Bay stacks last week. And it's like, all right, yeah, Drake for London, easy run back. That's perfect. Uh, He's cheap. He's only 5.9. He should be the primary emphasis of their offense. And what did they do? They played, I want to go over the snap rates of last week. They oh, played four backs, Tyler yeah. Aljair, Keith Smith, Avery Williams, and Caleb Huntley. All right. of them saw 24 percent or more offensive snaps. Drake London, Olamide Zacchaeus, Kadero Hodge, Brian Edwards, Demir Bird. All five of those guys saw meaningful offensive snaps at wide receiver. Their tight ends, Parker Hesse, who is a second year blocking tight end, has played the most snaps of the tight ends in Atlanta. And that just highlights they are going heavy. They are playing uh, to the run. They are playing ball control. Kyle Pitts, Anthony Ferkser, even Michael Pruitt saw snaps last week. Right. It's like they are spreading this offense and they are not highlighting any one guy. And if that's the case, it's just a very easy stay away. Just eliminate them. We don't have to like, yes, like they are, they have a ton of talent. It's like they're not utilizing them in primary roles. On the other side of that game, it's like, how are, how is, I guess, how is Shanahan approaching trying to win games? JM brought up something. Actually, I'm not going to talk about this because this is in the DFS plus interpretation. Yeah. Uh, only open to inner circle. But they are not looking to score the most points every possession. Right. And if that's the case, that just is a sap to the volume. Yeah. And with the way that their defense is built or the way that their team identity is built around their defense, that just means it, it saps the volume. So that's... That's why I led with the fact that like, Hey, we need to be looking to the per touch efficiency guys, George Kittle, Debo Samuel, and, um, Ayuk. and, and yeah, Brandon, Ayuk. that's it. Yep. Like you can, you can bring in Jeff Wilson if you want to. I was not on him last week. Um, kind of bit me in the butt a little bit. He only, he put up like 22 fantasy points, which at his price of 5.5 or whatever it was is like, right. is, is meaningful, but he does not really have the path to put the slate out of reach type scoring. And again, you don't necessarily need that at his price, but he's a guy who I have muted interest in 
relative to the field. So it's really, it's, it's only Kittle. And I want to, let's, let's talk about Kittle real quick. People, the laughing are the, the joke this year is that George Kittle is a tackle. He's a left tackle. He's playing, he's just blocking. Let's look at his route participation rate this year compared to years past where he has put up these gaudy numbers. I think it's going to shock people when you read this off. It's going to shock people. (laughs) His route participation rate this year is 74.4%. That means on passing plays that are dialed up, he is in a route three quarters of the time, right? Okay, that's easy to understand. Last year, when George Kittle put up two 40-point fantasy point games, his route participation rate was 80.5%. Okay? Tracking year, the year 2020, the year of our Lord 2020, George Kittle put up some slate breaking fantasy scores. His route participation rate 79.7%. 2019, his breakout season, his third season in the year, 70.8%. Yeah. Okay. So (laughs) we start looking at like what is different this year. Different this year is his targets per route run rate is low. Yep. That is something that can change over the course of one NFL game. So look at last season when he put up these uh, gaudy numbers. His targets per route run rate was 27.5%. That was third of amongst NFL court, uh, tight ends. This year, his targets per route run rate is only 23.4%, which ranks ninth amongst tight ends. So that is what needs to change for him to start putting up these massive, uh, these massive fantasy outputs. It's not his route run rate because that is historically per his career norm. It's getting targeted when he's in a route. Yep. How does that change? That's matchup based. That right. is like, that's, that's game plan. That is game plan specific. That is matchup based. That is something that can change. I don't know when it's going to happen. It very well could be this week. So that is a guy who I'm going to continue having interest in. We just have to realize that like the slate breaking ceiling has not left. Right. His involvement in the offense has not left. He is not a freaking tackle. Like his he is running routes and uh, per his career norms. So when that changes, when that hits it's going to hit hard and I want to be there for when that happens. So that's my George Kittle rant uh, spiel over. <laughs> yeah. I'm uh, yeah. right. And it's, if you don't think that Shanahan and that team is not going to take advantage when they see a glaring and obvious mismatch, right. And yeah. just scheme Kittle down those seams over one of these games, right. We, we know it's going to happen. We, we see it coming. So uh, yeah. it's there. And uh, I, I'm a. I won't be. I won't be shocked. Um, and I yeah. just. I have to keep playing Kittle because when yeah. he hits, if I don't, because I've played him so much, I'm just gonna like. I'll be so mad at myself. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's that's basically this game in a nutshell. Stick to the per touch efficiency, guys. We named them multiple times. That's that's really it. Yeah. So this is an interesting game to me. Uh, we're gonna finish up with the Bengals and the Saints. Um, it's interesting because like you bring up here, right? Like Lattimore, right? Having issues. Um, this is um, this is just one of those games that 
would anybody be shocked at the end of this week that this game was 38-35? No. Um, but the field for sure is not looking at it, right? The over-under for mm-hmm. Vegas is 43, right? Um, I, I think there's some really cool leverage in this game. Um, so one of the things you talked about on the Cincy side that I want you to break down a little more is, right, the Bengals are averaging basically almost – 70 offensive plays per game, right? It's 69.8. But as you talk about, it doesn't matter because there's a lot of ways to get to that high number. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's talk about that a little bit. Yeah. So really, if you think about like how teams are getting to high snap counts in a game, it's really through two primary means. Either their defense is so elite that they're getting the right. ball back. Um, and with that, you kind of have to have an offense that is not – uh, hitting for bulk plays. So like Buffalo's defense, they are getting right. the ball back to their offense, but their offense is scoring so efficiently that they don't yeah. have this like lofty uh, plays per game number. Right. The Bengals, their defense is giving their ball back. They are actually like top three in a ton of defensive metrics this season, their defense. Uh, and that is basically due to Luana Rumo, Anna, Anna Rumo. Who's their defensive coordinator? So now you have this, like, they're getting the ball back at a heightened rate, but their offense is not scoring efficiently. Now we have this, like, lofty games, uh, place per game number. Right. We look at, like, there's a lot of moving pieces in this game because we have Lattimore, who is likely going to be out. What is that going to do? It's likely going to bias their defense to more cover three zone schemes. They're not going to have the pieces to pull much man coverage. You also have Jarvis Landry, who's has not practiced this week and who's missed multiple weeks. You have Michael Thomas, who has not practiced this week and has missed multiple weeks. You have Chris Olave, who is coming off of the first uh, ataxia ruling for concussion protocol. So those rulings updated last week, they changed the, the wording in the concussion protocol to uh, basically emphasize the word ataxia, which is a medical term to describe any um, motor impairment or uh, speech impairment or dizziness or anything exhibited that is weird <laughs> that stems yeah. from a neurological trauma. So that is exactly what Olave exhibited. He went up for yeah. that reception on the touchdown. He came down on his face and smacked yeah. his face into the dirt. And then he just went completely limp. He popped up after laying on the dirt for a minute and was like signaling touchdown. He was like coherent and he was with it. So that could have been like under the old concussion protocols, a reason for him to come back into the game. Right. We saw that. That's what we saw with Tua. There there was a loophole. There was like, okay, even though we can't explain what happened, he's like completely lucid and coherent now. Same thing that happened with Naheem Hines. Hines didn't get hit in the head. He got hit shoulder to shoulder and he stood up and couldn't stand on his own and was wobbling around. So those now fall under ataxia, which is you are automatically ruled out for the remainder of the game. We don't know what's going on, but you're something's jacked up and we're going to figure it out later. And we're not going to subject you to increased uh, abuse in the NFL. Also with that is what we've seen over the last two weeks since the NFL and the NFLPA have come together to um, adjust those concussion protocols, we've seen it take longer for players to clear protocol. 
We saw it with, um, we saw it with uh, Isaiah McKenzie. Yeah. Isaiah McKenzie just never cleared protocol, even though he returned to practice and practiced for two days leading up to that game. He shed the non-contact jersey. People were like, what is going on? Like Isaiah McKenzie is no longer in the non-contact jersey, but it's not been said if he's whether or not he's still in the protocol. He was. He had not cleared it because they're taking their time a little bit. Um, it's still the same five-step process, but they are taking their time and making sure because there is a high visibility on concussions right now in the NFL. With all that said, we don't know if Olave is going to make it back. I would guess the percentage, I would put it at greater than 51% that he does not make it back for this game. Yeah, even though I, he returned to practice. I, I would be I would be shocked if Olave plays. Um, yeah. And the fact it was actually a touchdown and they called it a touchdown too was just that was a yeah. crazy scene of events. So mm-hmm. can we talk about I, I gotta we gotta talk about him a little bit. So while it doesn't matter on DraftKings, the one position Taysom Hill doesn't play is tight end. That's like <laughs> the one position he doesn't play. He plays yeah. every other position besides tight end. Mm-hmm. Um, and in a, you know, uh, in a best ball format where I have a bunch, I will be shocked if he doesn't end up, you know, being on the winning team in some of these big events as the tight end. Right. Um, but on FanDuel and some other spots, he's still tight end eligible there. Um, right. There's no other tight end with, that upside per se um what are your thoughts on any kind of leverage there or or seeing him continue to get involved yeah the leverages don't freaking play him (laughs) we have to realize the dude ran for three touchdowns that were all 35 yards or more right he was utilized primarily as a short yardage option and on his longest touchdown scamper which was the last one the 60 yard one uh, wait, what was it? 40 yard. I don't know. I don't remember. Anyway, on his last touchdown run, it was fourth and ro- and one from around midfield. And he basically just like ran behind a pulling tackle, uh, yeah. sorry, a pulling guard and put his hand on his back and then a hole opened up and he was gone. Right. We have to understand the dude scored four total touchdowns. He ran for three and he passed for one. He did all of that. He, Ran for more than 100 yards. He did all of that on 30% of the offensive snaps. Right. His snap rates in healthy games this year, 26%, 9%, 20%, and 30%. So if you're playing a guy thinking you are ahead of the field, playing him on FanDuel at tight end, are you ever entering a player into a lineup Knowing that he has peaked at a thirty percent snap rate, I don't know. I'm not. Yeah, you are. So, you are saying that he's going to score three touchdowns. That right. is the what math, the math doesn't add up for that. And uh, it's funny at uh, you know at FFPC this week talking a little season long, right? Um, the, I had a couple leagues that Taysom you know wasn't rostered for that reason, right? So you know th- these are the sharpest high stakes players around. And these guys didn't have Taysom roster where he's tied in eligible because of that. Right. Um, and then now I watched him go for like anywhere from in a thousand dollars a fab from seven fifty to nine fifty, Right. Mm-hmm. And meanwhile, he's going to go back and he's going to go back to his nine, 10, 12% short line, get him a couple yards, right. Give me four rushes for nine yards in a game. Right. Um, yeah. 
so, but I think there's some nice leverage the other way of, hey, you know, we're, we're not going to have any access to him and try to take advantage there. Yeah, hundred percent. The the leverage is don't play Jason Hill, yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, but there's there's a lot of moving pieces here uh, in this game. We talked about all the injuries on New right. Orleans. <laughs> T Higgins tried right. to gut out an ankle injury last year or last week yeah. and did not make it through the game. He has not practiced yet this week either. So if we have no Marshawn Lattimore on New Orleans defense, we expect them to play a little bit increased rates of cover three to to make up for that. Now we have no T Higgins on Cincinnati's offensive side of the ball. So we already have an offense that utilizes extreme rates of 11 personnel. And that's just based on the personnel that they have. So obviously their, their wide receivers are Jamar Chase, T Higgins and uh, Tyler Boyd. And when you're, when you have that, you play that and that's just what they have. So now we, we don't expect Tyler Boyd to kick out to the outside. He's not going to do that. So when you think about like the composition of the Bengals and how they're going to play this game, we're still going to see increased rates of 11 personnel. So what does that mean? That means Mike Thomas is going to be playing on the perimeter. To me, Mike Thomas is a career backup guy. He's a career journeyman. He is not going to see an elevated targets per route run rate. He's going to be running a ton of targets because, or a kind of a ton of routes because they have to, but now we get an even more condensed target tree. It's like right. Jamar Chase, it's Hayden Hurst, and it's Tyler Boyd. Like that's it. And if you're talking about increased rates of cover three, typically the football finds the most alpha guy against cover three yeah. because it's an off coverage. Typically it's, it's, it's allowing completions to be had. If you get Jamar Chase, who is like getting off coverage because they don't have the defensive personnel to match up with him against cover three, I want that all day. Now we talk about like, what has Jamar Chase done in games without T Higgins? It's like almost guaranteed double digit targets. Yeah, yeah. it's ridiculous. So I want that. And, And if Jamar Chase, I haven't looked at his ownership, but like that is a place where I want some exposure this week. So, um, you know, one of the things, and, and I'm not going to talk about it, but you, uh, in your DFS interpretation, you have some cool leverage points. And so for OWS Inner Circle members, one of the things you can do is a week pass. It's $19. And Mark talked about earlier, right? Jam has some interesting takes on a couple of the games this week, right? Um, Mark has some, and they're going to give you some leverage points that you're not going to be able to get. Um, and the cool part is, is you can come jump into our discord for free, right? Come become a member. You can check discord. You're going to get access to a lot of the information, uh, but where the nuggets are, are inside of that. And then um, Mark and Zandamir do a podcast for inner circle members on Saturdays that we do in Discord that is going to give you a breakdown. Um, And I'll personally say over the last few years, those have made me very profitable by taking that and crossing it versus, you know, what I was thinking and looking at different options. Because it's fun to watch you and X, who, for those who don't know, Zandamir, he's he's a lunatic. Uh, he's a human <laughs> computer. <laughs> yeah, it's it's amazing. He, he blows me away. Um, but you know, for that, for nineteen dollars, you can come check it out. You can see the Discord. I think we have a really active, very cool Discord. Um, everybody's trying to help everybody get better. 
um, you know, and talking about that with our props, right? Um, NFL props has done really, really well this year. Um, even last night, um, you know, we had multiple of us that hit, you know, we went tackle props last night because of that game um, and looked at like, hey, you know, who where's some leverage here? And one of the spots we were able to do that was on some of the prize pick sites uh, and take some, you know, take some prop leverage there. So there's some uh, some cool opportunity there. Uh, and then I'm just going to do the hype trade because I'm part of it. Uh, NBA starts next week. Uh, we got some cool uh, props going there. Um, you'll be able to see some of the season long um, and you can come check that out. Uh, meanwhile, you can find Mark on Twitter at uh, Hilo uh, when he's not running around being, uh, you know, being totally crazy. Uh, Hilo FF. Yep. And uh, we have to talk real quick, though. Can we talk about Mark's Friday shirt and how awesome his Friday shirt is? I mean, look at that. Like, Friday uh, fun day, baby. Yeah, I love it. I, I love the shirt here. I'm uh, <laughs> I'm actually rocking my, my giant stuff today since it's still baseball playoffs. So, ah. Uh. Yeah, so we, we had to be sad here uh, about not making it, but we're there. So I'm excited for this week. Uh, if you guys have any questions, feel free to reach out, and uh, we'll talk to you guys soon. See you, fam.